Welcome back to the Redneck Tech Podcast brought to you by Diamondback Truck Bed Covers. This week, I've got Ryder on again. Um, we got a request from Grant from 8th and Time that's doing an elk hunt. I'm pretty sure they're doing it in Idaho. And he wanted us to talk about uh, western hunting, elk hunting specifically, and filming, and what gear to bring, the do's and don'ts, um, all that good stuff. And where, you know, Ryder and I aren't the authority on this by any means. I feel like I've done enough of them to have an opinion and to kind of give my two cents. So Ryder and I talk about what gear to wear and to what boots to get and what's worked for us, how we uh, pack our stuff, what packs we're using, what we carry in our pack, what cameras we're running, and uh, all that good jazz. So this one's kind of Western hunting specific. And uh, just remember that I'm from Georgia, so take everything I say for the grain of salt. So uh, here is the Western Filming Podcast. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want him? Yeah. We're back for the Western hunting version of a podcast. Um, gear and setups, strategies, all that good stuff. And Ryder Porter is still with me, and I forgot it on the last podcast. So give me your Instagram name before we ever get started. The Instagram is Ryer underscore Porter, and you spell my name R Y E R. And what's the one for the community the community show? That is the community show. Just at the community show. At the community show. Yeah. Don't forget that one, folks. That one's uh, not hard to remember. So, got to ask my grant from the 8th and Time guys. Mm -hmm. um, he requested that I talk about western hunting and specifically elk hunting out west. And being a guy from Georgia, um, I've done, I think I figured it out, nine elk hunts between filming and hunting myself. So, limited knowledge. Um but I think I feel like I've done enough to talk about it a little bit. Um, probably should get some different guys on here to do this than me and Ryer. But we're going to take a stab at it. We might actually try and do a different version of this. I might actually try and track down some guys that I know have done a ton of these and get them to uh, to talk more about it. But Ryer grew up in Colorado. I so did. he has probably more of a Western background than I have. But he's only filmed, what, three elk hunts, right? I've filmed three seasons. Three seasons. I filmed a couple of different hunts. Okay. One season. Well, but, I'm talking yeah. about different hunts on mine, so mine's only uh, like six seasons. Three seasons. I guess then maybe four or five if See, you count the different You're, you're shortchanging yourself, man. Shortchanging yourself. So essentially what we're going to do is I want to kind of go over gear, what to bring, what not to bring, um, what I'm specifically toting and carrying in my pack. Uh, and, and all this is from an aspect of filming. Obviously, because it's the Redneck Tech Podcast. We talk about creating outdoor content. So we're doing a film in Wyoming this year for an elk hunt where Ryer will be the main producer. I will be helping him do some major, bigger production elements. But Mark and I will be hunting and because uh, I drew a tag. And uh, hunting sounds a lot more fun than filming uh, because I've done enough of the filming thing. So... Ryer is going to be the guy on that one, so we've done a lot of planning for that. We talked about that a little bit on the other podcast. Got some more, some big production elements that we're wanting to try and do. Um, you know, I just caught myself. Another thing that my wife criticizes me on the podcast is I talk too fast. She says I should slow down when I talk. Do I talk too fast? I don't think so. I've never had a hard time understanding you on the podcast. Okay. But then again, I listen to interviews yeah. at twice the speed. Well, so. I think, well, that, yeah, me too. So I think that it's because she's listening, she's listened to some other podcasts, like some actual professional podcasts, like Up and Vanished and some crime ones. And they get really specific when they're talking and they're very deliberate with their words. And they make sure to stretch that podcast. I, I just can't You're do that. You're trying to draw yeah, the I, audience. I guess. Man. I guess. I, can, I just can't do that. Anyway, so first and foremost, when we're talking about elk hunting and filming elk hunts, I think the first thing you have to talk about is fitness level and hydration. And you, I think you can talk to that more than anybody because you talked about living in Colorado and attitude, al attitude, altitude, have a good one. Yeah, <laughs> altitude, and you need to drink more water 
than you would if you're at sea level or just above sea level like we are here. And you kind of got to be in a little bit better shape or you just got to be tough because it's going to suck. Uh, most places. Now, if you're on a really big, nice private ranch, it might not suck. They might drive you right up to the Elkhorn Ranger. You walk out there 200 yards and shoot it. I have yet to do one of those. Sounds nice. Well, yeah, most of them are <laughs> a lot more not fun. A lot more than, physically than involved. Than they are fun, yeah. So talk to me about, you know, the physicality and hydration and altitude and how those things affect you. Well, so the first... I just know, I grew up in Colorado, so I don't know the, I haven't experienced those, the effects that people talk about, but I know that every time somebody would come visit us, we'd, they'd almost always get some sort of headaches and fatigue, and generally the fix for that was drinking more water and resting. Uh, you, you don't really have a chance to rest on an elk hunt. That's just kind of comes with the territory. Yeah, and they're you long know, days in September. Long days, long days. Long days, early mornings, late nights. You're hiking all over the place. So, you know, I guess you can try your best to get rest, take naps on the mountain, whatever. But it's hunting. You got to do what you got to do. You got to go where you got to go. Mm -hmm. uh, drinking water, I think, is just the big one. And staying hydrated. Because if you get dehydrated, that's really going to cut into the quality of your hunt and your ability to operate as as yeah. a and, as a producer. And you're the guy, you're the guy toting a bunch of equipment, a bunch of gear, toting no camera over your shoulder. There's Awkward. no such thing as ultralight hunting no, for us. No ever. such no such thing. And if you are the one guy that's the weak link. You can't be the weak you link. You can't be the weak link. You're already the weak link because you got a camera. Because you've paid or your hunter or your production or whatever has paid a lot of money to be there. Uh, and and sacrificed a lot of time, energy um, logistics and brain power to be at the place that you're at. So if you're the weak link on an elk hunt to where you can't keep up or you don't get the hunt on camera or whatnot, then that's on you. Um, and I know this, this, I'm not, which I'm not near the shape I was in college and I'm out of shape, but I'm dumb and just bullheaded to where, and I've done enough elk, enough elk hunts to know I'm a different human being on elk hunts. That is my favorite thing in the world to do. I've not done it a lot, but it's my favorite thing on earth to do is to elk hunt. Um, so I don't, when you say you need to drink a lot and stay hydrated, like I'll take, you know, two or three waters with me and I'll usually drink most or all of them, but I don't ever get hungry when I'm elk hunting. I just, I can, I hunt all day and I don't ever get hungry. Now, when I get finally, like it sets in that the day's over, starving. But while I'm hunting, I don't ever get hungry. You and might just be so excited. You're just not I even think, thinking about I think, food. I think that's what it is. It's, that's what it's got to be. Because it's been that way for the last couple of years, specifically Idaho and Colorado last year. You know, I did both of those do-it-yourself hunts. Hunted my butt off for 14 straight days. And hunted day day you know day daylight to dark pretty much for fourteen days, hunting for myself, wasn't filming so I wasn't carrying a camera but it was still physical you know it wasn't Idaho wasn't as bad as Colorado, but uh called in you know called in the bull I missed a bull for second day in Idaho called in a big one the fourth day didn't get a shot and then hunted the fifth day drove twelve hours picked up my dad and my brother and we went to Colorado and I killed a bull the second day in Colorado. And guided every day after that for my dad and my brother, which I say guided. I use that term loosely. I'm not a elk hunter. I just I got lucky. But uh, yeah, I just don't get hungry, which is weird. But anyway, we're off topic. First day, five minutes in, we're off topic. I, I think you want. Do you want to talk more about? I guess the physical yeah. things to expect. Yeah, for sure. So, just in Colorado in general, you got to plan for the altitude, mm -hmm. and that's a huge thing. Uh, even just a set of stairs I've heard is something that people will come to Colorado and they'll walk up a flight of stairs and go, holy crap, I'm mm -hmm. winded after just walking up this flight of stairs. Yeah. And there's not as much oxygen there. So you're just naturally going to get fatigued a little bit easier. Uh, and, you know, you're walking around. Uh, you've got a heavy pack. You're going up and down hills all day. And going down hills is not any easier than going up the hills mm -mm. uh so flat ground is really just 
the only thing you can hope for sometimes. Which is, which is normally flat ground. It means you're side-hilling. So you've got yeah. way more pressure on one leg than the other. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a camera over your shoulder that's throwing off your balance anyway. Yeah. And you're trying not to drop that camera, fall, break your neck, break your gear, because then you're really up the creek without a paddle. Yeah, so I would say, you know, if you just go into it knowing that that's what you have to expect, I mean, you still got time to kind of get out there and, and, and work out a little bit and just go hike some hills around or go on a stairmaster or just heck just walk around I yeah mean, walk around with a weighted pack you know i think i think you just gotta go into it knowing that there's gonna be parts of it that are gonna suck if you think that you're if you go into an elk cut thinking it's gonna be a cakewalk then you are it is you're, not you just not no not at all um but it's also one of those things when you get one on the ground it's all so worth it it it's, is yeah you won't think about any of those times that you were dying or, you know, God, there's another hill. Or, of course, he bugled in the bottom of the canyon now that we're all the way at the top. You know, that kind of thing. Um, one of the biggest, now kind of talking about getting into gear. Um, and we're going to talk about camera gear specifically in a minute. But I think something is as important when you're talking about elk hunting uh, and western hunting in general is the gear that you're wearing and the gear that you have on your feet. Me and you talked about this. Mm-hmm. As you said, that you're going to try and invest in some better clothing this year. Yeah. So first and foremost, um, I have a bunch of Sitka stuff, and I say a bunch. I have a, a fair amount, and it's exp- it's expensive. But I've t- talked about it on the podcast. If you own your own business in the outdoor industry, you can get the forty percent off discount. Um, and I have that. Not going to lie about it. And it makes it to where it's affordable then. But even if it wasn't, even if I didn't have that 40% off, now that I've worn it and I know what it's capable of and what it's and how comfortable I am in it, I'd pay the money because I will pay not whatever it takes, but just about all I can stand to be comfortable. And that is, I can't put into words how important and how important i don't can't think of a better word how that makes the trip that much more enjoyable when you're comfortable and when you're wicking away moisture or when you're not cold or you're not wet to be able to not not matter that well i can't remember what the saying is but it's like there's no such thing as bad weather there's only bad gear that's very true if you're used to wearing walmart camouflage or you're used to wearing some cheap something you picked up at Bass Pro, and you're going to expect that to go on an elk hunt, you're going to be very upset. You're going to be very, very hot or cold or wet, or it's going to rip, or it's going to fall apart or fall off your butt, drag on the ground, uh, pull, tear, seams, you know, pockets inside of pockets fall out. I mean, you name it. You know, elk hunts, you're going to be rougher on your gear and on your clothing and on your body than... Any other hunt, like a whitetail hunt, you can wear whatever you want. You know, as long as the weather's not too cold, what are you doing? You're walking 300 yards, and you're climbing up a tree and sitting in a tree stand. You know, other than getting cold, I mean, what you know, what kind of wear and tear are you doing on your clothing? Nothing. You're sitting still. That's the other thing is is you got to take that into consideration is is the physical activity. It you get hot, you know, oh you get gosh. hot. You you walk up a hill and then you sit in glass. Plan for that. So you're going to get hot, you're going to want to take all your clothes Sweat, off, yeah. and then you're going to get up to the top of the hill and you're going to freeze. Yes, you absolutely, like, I, I wear this the Sitka scent pants. I wear them mm, 70 or 80% of the year. Like, I wear those pants, and they're the thinnest pants I've ever worn, but my legs don't really get cold. And unless you're like John Justice and that dude, no lie, will wear long johns until June. It'll be 80, degree, 80 degrees outside, and he's wearing long johns and, like, pants. I'm like, John, how are you not literally your crotch is on fire? Like, how was that not happening? Because that's how I would be. So I wear those Sitka scent pants because they're super lightweight. They're stretchy. You're super mobile, and they're like wearing pajama pants. But they are really, really tough. They don't tear very easily. Um, they, If you get them wet, they dry super fast. Um and then I wear like Under Armour uh, compression like underwear shorts. So I don't wear boxers or anything. I wear like compression shorts, 
and then I wear like tube socks and I wear my Solomon boots. I've talked about them before. Solomon Quest 4D GTX. That's the model number. I absolutely, this is my second pair of them. I absolutely adore those boots and uh, they're a lot cheaper than a Kinetrex, but they're also, uh, they're, they're, they're expensive. They're in the $200 range, but and again, Spend the money to be comfortable. I know you're having on a good pair of footwear. If your feet if your feet are hurting in oh, the man. first day or so of the miserable. hunt, nothing you're going to have a bad time. You dag them right and get some that are waterproof because that's the reason I had to buy a second pair of Solomons. Otherwise, if my other old Solomons were not still the waterproof and was still in them, I'd still have those because they're five five seasons old, but the waterproofing's gone in them. And you know, I step in water and my feet are wet. Now I don't normally I don't really mind. I would rather have wet feet than have to wear rubber boots. Let's say that. I despise. I loathe rubber boots. Hate them. So I will wear, I'll get my feet wet like in the summertime. But like, you know, walking around all day on wet feet kind of sucks. So that's the only reason I bought new ones because my old ones were just wore out. Um, So I spent the money and got some new ones. And once these wear out in four or five, six years, as long as they're still making them, I'll still buy them. But that's as important as, as clothing to me. So you're you're looking at buying some new gear. What are you looking at getting? What and why? Well, we need to go look at my stuff too. By the way, yeah, you wanted to look at it. I yeah, do. Remind me. We'll do that after this. Yeah, I've been I've been thinking of just kind of grabbing a more complete gear system, a more quality gear system. Uh, I and guess it is that, a system. It's yeah. not just clothing. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Uh, I've been getting by on on the random walmart bass pro stuff uh, you know what that tells me that tells me you're tougher than i am because <laughs> there's no way I i'm also from colorado well, so yeah i got a little bit of that resilience in my blood so what was the what was the redneck term that i told you boogan that's the missouri term that i learned from jeff love and brandon Pendergrass. oh what, yeah, yeah yeah what was the one that you said you said you'd never heard one before this is probably that one. Oh yeah that probably is one that one yeah thought we were, yeah it's probably that one we've talked about some random stuff we week. have anyway but um, uh I'm, I'm looking at that I'm looking at probably a new pair of boots. I've had mine for the uh, three seasons now, and and they, you know, they're they're Tanya, a good pair of boots. Look at those Solomon's, uh, man. You will not uh, be disappointed. Yeah, I'm looking for something. Uh, a what, little size, bit. what size shoe do you wear? I think I'm like a ten and a half, eleven boot. Okay, no, mine are eleven, so I'll let you try them on. Okay, cool. Yeah, so so I'm looking at that. I think right now, I I don't know if I'm going to go for the full gear system. But I'm definitely, I want a pair of pants. I've kind of been looking at the ones that you, the Sitka pants. Ascent, yeah. Especially the ones you could put the knee pads in. Because I'm, I'm not even, I always find myself kneeling around on the ground. That's a better way to put that. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, doing camera stuff. So I think those knee pads would be nice. Especially if you have to kneel, kneel next to a hunter, you know, in, in a in a situation. It's a lot easier to keep a camera stable and work it if your knees are not in pain. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking a little pad on the knees might be nice. Uh, I'd like, I kind of want a warmer, almost rainish jacket, but not quite. I don't want a full rain jacket because those things don't breathe. But I want something a little bit water repellent, but also warm. And then probably a shirt, probably a long sleeve shirt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll show you I think you that's all that probably stuff. the basics. Yeah. And then as I go along, maybe I'll get some other ones. Heck, don't, you never don't, know. Don't skimp. And guys, listen to this. And I learned this the hard way since we're talking about kind of do's and don'ts. On an elk hunt, wear good underwear, like compression shorts, because there's nothing worse than being galded. And socks. And socks. I got some merino wool socks and bring, last year, and they and were nice. And I always pack, um, like, uh, what's it called? Uh the little pads that are sticky on the back, but they've got moleskin. Moleskin. Always pack moleskin. You know, I've never had to use that. I've never had to use it either, but I always yeah. bring it. But somebody told me, they're like, you better have it. Dang, I'm right. So, so I always have it. I got it. So get some moleskin. You can probably get moleskin just about any like grocery store, like a Walmart type place. It's just it's sticky on one side, so you can stick it to your skin, and then that, and it's like soft on the back side, so it essentially takes that rubbing away. Like that constant rubbing on your feet or something if your boots didn't fit right, but make sure your boots fit right. Oh, and if you get new boots, do not wear them for the first time on your yeah, hunt. No, break them in. Like a couple of weeks before, they you should say, just wear them I all day. I can't remember what the number was, and I don't want to speak out of school, but like those Kinetrax boots I had, they said they're not broken in for like 30 miles. 
you had to put 30 miles on those boots before they're really broke in. Now, my Solomons, like, I've worn them on the trail, like that hiking trail that we were going to go to. I've worn them on that trail two or three times. Never had a rock, never had a problem. No, it, it depends. Each boot's different. Everybody's yep. foot is made different, but I think just in general, the boots are probably a little bit more comfortable well, after you walk in them. That and those are two different types of boots, so I should probably talk about that too. And and let me also talk about and preface that, guys, we are not gear experts. We're producers, camera people. I'm just saying what has worked for me. So, and I'm I'm a big guy. I'm six three, two seventy ish. So I I like to be comfortable. I don't like things to rub me and gall me and scratch me. So I'm telling you what's worked for me. So anyway, with that being said, there's a difference between the Solomon boots, which is what I have, that are a hiking boot, and the Kinetrex, which are more of a mountaineering boot. And the difference between those, mountain, those two... I think those mountain extremes are designed kind of more for with sheep hunting in yes, mind. Yes, they're, they're, they're designed more for extremely steep terrain, to where it, it where it, it lessens foot fatigue, to where your feet are in contorted position. So they have a much stiffer footbed mm-hmm. to where essentially your foot's working more on a 90-degree angle when you're walking. It really it makes and they're your, heavier. And they're, they're, and they're heavy heavier. Boots. They make your ankle and your foot more to 90 in a rigid place. That way your foot isn't shifting around in the boot a lot. That way you, don't, you keep that foot fatigue down. Whereas a hiking boot is a much softer footbed. It has ankle support, but not like a mountaineering boot. And it is lighter. And they probably aren't going to last quite as long as a mountaineering boot. But I got four, five years out of mine. I mean, I don't know what more you could ask out of a boot I wear 150 days a year. I mean, that's pretty solid uh, for 200 bucks. I Trust me, I got my money out of them boots. Um, so that's that's kind of my two cents on the on the um, the clothing side and the boot side. Next thing is gear, as in filming gear. So on your elk hunt, what gear did you have? First off, what pack did you use? What was in your pack? And then what camera were you running? So I had a uh, Badlands Camera Pro Mm -hmm. that I use, and I like it. I have, you want in my pack first? Should we go from the pack? Go pack in your pack, and then we'll go to the the camera. So in my pack... As far as camera gear goes, I always have the little rain cover and a trash bag, just mm-hmm. in case. Uh, I have Allen keys because I run the FS7, and so just in case I ever needed to take it apart and put it in my pack, I could. Uh, I have extra batteries. I How many extra batteries? All of the ones that you own? Honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is probably overkill. I don't think I've ever really had yeah. to because we've got that got big, two, huge. If you've got two nineties, you're perfectly fine. Yeah, I have one ninety and then a sixty and a thirty. Okay. And so generally, I'll have the sixty actually in my pack somewhere, and there's a nice little hip belt on thirty on yeah on the waist belt, mm-hmm. a little zipper pocket, and generally I put the thirty there in case I don't know some weird something happens and we're That's actually we're a on really a stock yeah. and the battery just decides because. Things get cold sometimes, and I've mm-hmm. had this happen. You're, you got a full charge on your battery, and then it gets cold, and it just is Zap like, it. nope, we're not gonna, we're yeah. turning off right now. And if there's an elk out there, and your battery turns off, and you got to go shuffling around in your pack for it, you're SOL. I've had that happen not on elk hunt, but I've absolutely had my battery go from thirty percent to nothing. Yeah, like, like quickly. So and I, you, then you're digging elbow deep in a pack for mm-hmm. a battery. Yeah, that's a good idea. So I just keep one there, and then. I have a Canon 70D mm-hmm. as a DSLR, and I have that with the two lenses, an 18 to 55 and a 70 to 300, both just Canon kit lenses. And I have that in the camera compartment of the Badlands Camera Pro. It mm-hmm. has a nice camera compartment. And then I generally have extra AA's for lavalier mics. I've got an assortment of different cloths for cleaning lenses. I generally have a GoPro and some mounting stuff stashed away in there. Uh, I'm trying to think of what other things that I have. I'm what trying about, to think because what about like food, water? Like, what do you carry oh, in terms of that? Water, I carry a full like Camelback. Mm-hmm. Food, I generally will have. Mark and I like to do kind of a peanut butter and jelly bagel sort of thing. That uh, sounds gross. 
It act well. Bagels hold up well inside of a pack. See, I didn't so think about that. I don't have to so instead of you know bread would get all smushed around. Yeah. But and a that's bagel why I don't stays... care. And that's why I don't carry sandwiches. Yeah, I carry stuff like granola bars and stuff that I know it's not going to matter. Yeah, we have those, and then granola bars, and then Mark likes fruit cups, so we'll have those. Oh, that's sweet. He he likes them because it's like a little treat on the mountain <laughs> to have a fruit cup. <laughs> fruit cup. And then they remind me to make fun of him for that. Yeah, trail mix and other y'all random. Carry, y'all carry stuff. an assortment. Yeah, well, you know, I like to eat. I heard that. I'm, I'm a I'm a good eater. Uh, so I'll have those. Sometimes I I'll actually because of I'm a generally redundant person. I'll actually have an extra underlayer with me of like shirt, underwear, socks, and stuff like that in case I get dunked. And then I also carry like a just a random amount of extra food just mm-hmm. in case we end up having to stay the night out somewhere. Oh, okay. Um, because you never know, I guess. Well, uh, and what ga- what camera and other stuff are you carrying, like, outside the pack? Outside the pack, I actually, and and you'll have to tell me if this is how you do it, but I generally have my tripod strapped to my back because of the FS7. And I, like, generally I like to be pretty mobile with, mm-hmm. with my camera. Uh, I feel like if I'm on the tripod, I can't set it up and get as many shots as I'd like. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's wrong. That's just how I do it. And so I have a uh, Sackler with a Sackler head. Mm, and it's Sockler. Sockler, I'm I think sorry. That's how, I don't know how you say it. I think that's how you I, say it. I was talking to a guy from Germany a couple of weeks ago, and he told me how to pronounce it. And I. And he said what? Sackler? It was, well, I'm saying I don't remember how oh, he said it. But okay. I at some point I remember. We should probably look that up. Yeah, I'm sure there's a little bit of like a in there. You yeah, But... I have that. I strap that to the back of my pack. I actually use the uh, rifle sling mm-hmm. that that comes with it, and I yeah. throw two legs in the rifle sling, and then I use some of the straps to strap it on the back and one of the straps up top, and then I carry the FS7 in hand with me. Well, that's similar to the way I run, but a couple major differences. I do not carry a full backpack because I get hot really easily. And I, I, I just hate a full-size backpack. So last year I was running the Tenzing 1200, which is their kind of their big fanny pack with the shoulder uh, shoulder harness. Love that pack. Um, this year I've got a Kafaru, uh, their Hellcat. Uh, I haven't gotten to use it yet. It's a bigger fanny than even that Tenzing 1200 and it's made a little bit better Uh, that Tenzing 1200 did really well for me I like that pack a lot but this Tenzing I I didn't like on the Tenzing I did not like how many pockets it had because I would organize myself into losing stuff or I needed to find it quickly and never could find it the Kafaru is bigger made better and is simpler doesn't have as many compartments it's got two big pouches on the outside one giant pouch in the middle and a couple of small little zippers on the inside and a big pouch on top so i don't feel like i'm going to lose stuff as easily um i carry that because that keeps my back um from being covered Mm -hmm. and getting sweaty and hot and that pack is perfect and you're going to love this and another reason i use it is when you take that midday siesta it's the perfect size to lay under and use as a pillow as i can the, see it and that's really why or i have it i have it positioned to where it doesn't necessarily sit on my butt it kind of sits open top of my hips so when you sit down on the ground it essentially it supports your back when you're sitting still yeah that's one of the things with with my pack setup i can't just sit on the yeah. ground because and that's another reason I, that's another extends. reason i hated them past my butt so that's and i'll go i'll that's the next big difference but i'll talk about it in a second so what i carry in my pack is i'm a lot simpler i don't carry near as much stuff um knock on wood i've never had anything happen to the camera where i need to take it apart i had i had to one time oh really in, well in maybe if i had hunting. to i this would was change in, it out this was in california we were on a uh, black bear hunt mm-hmm. and we we're bushwhacking and I swear I've never seen thicker brush ever in my life. Yeah. And I was trying to go through this brush with one hand on the camera, and the other, I'm just fighting this stuff. I mean, it felt like it, there was literally hands pulling me back. Mm-hmm. And it got, and I was falling all over the place, and eventually got to the point where I said, I got to put this camera in my pack 
and we were hiking out by that time. Mm-hmm. So if we were hiking in, I guess I would have just had yeah. to. But I I had to take apart the camera and put it in my pack to to get through all that stuff. I needed both hands. So so, so what I what I carry in mind is I carry probably I'll carry my big ninety on my camera, which I'm running FS five right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll carry the ninety on the camera and an extra ninety. I have two nineties and I'll put it in the pack. So one battery in my pack. I'll carry couple granola bars maybe some beef jerky two big waters like two big smart waters um or a gatorade and a water or some combination thereof like i said i don't get hungry when i'm hunting elk um so i'll carry you know granola bar something just to tide me over if i got really hungry um and i carry a good lens cloth i carry uh some sort of bag to cover up the camera if it starts raining and then i'll carry some sort of on elk hunt I've never been on like a really crazy rugged one. I've been on some pretty rough ones, but I'll carry like almost like a poncho if it starts raining. Oh yeah. To get underneath for you know to keep me dry, but I don't necessarily carry rain gear. I have I, both. I probably should, but I don't. Just to, essentially to save space and room. And uh, I'll carry my DSLR. I've got my A7R. I'll carry it in my pack. Now I can quickly get to it if I need to. I'm actually might thinking about building some sort of chest rig this year to carry it outside so I can quickly access it. I think I saw so I saw yeah, a rig like that make, somewhere. They, yeah, uh, S4 Gear's making one now. Um, I actually looked into that too. But then I'm trying to think of what else I carry. I always carry my Verb, a couple of mounts for it. I carry my 360. I don't know if you've seen this. My little 360 time lapse egg timer for my for my. Uh, verb so i can do a 360 laps with it anywhere um carry an extra battery for my verb i carry a usb charger for my phone and a cable and then um i carry the dark energy one i have the i think it's called the poseidon and then that way i can charge my verb or my phone and it'll charge them both almost fully and then trying to think that's about it I don't carry much else. Um, I kind of keep it absolutely bare minimum basics. What about like first aid gear you carry? Uh, not pack? really. Not usually. Um, I probably will in Wyoming this year because of just what the hunt that we're planning on going on. But um, I have I have even carried a hammock on a trip before, like on an elk hunt. I like had a little, little packable hammocks. That way that midday thing when everybody's laying on the ground, I lay in my hammock and they're pretty pissed about it. But sorry you didn't bring your hammock. I like that idea. Yeah, I've brought that before. Um, that was actually on a personal outcome. That wasn't when I was filming. But, uh, yeah, middle of the day, I struck that hammock up, took about a 30-minute siesta, and was rocking and rolling again. You know what? Uh, even just uh, hunting around the ranch, when we were hunting with uh, Larry Jones, he carried, like, a one of those gardening foam knee boards oh yeah I've so that when that. when he could he just sit down like or dudley kneel on it. dudley carries actual knee pads like industrial knee pads that you like put flooring down with oh really yeah he carries those with mm-hmm. him always um but uh and then when i'm on the outside of my pack so i'm always i always carry my tripod on my shoulder with the camera attached because i always have my legs fully up not extended so they're all the way retracted because I can quickly, I can hold the whole system in my hand with my arm wrapped around the tripod, and I can film any kind of dialogue I need. And if an animal comes in, I can always extend one leg and use it as a monopod if I have to. Or I can get down on my knees on the ground and be stable with it and flip the legs out if I have time. I can always get stable with that tripod on there. If I have to handhold it, I might not be as mobile as moving around, but I'm always going to be stable. And I carry a Sockler tripod or tripod head and, and uh, Miller sticks. So my, I need to measure, I need to weigh it, but I think just my head and my sticks are like 12, 13 pounds. They're heavy. And then you throw the camera on there. It's your 23, 25-ish. Easy. Um, and you carry your FS7, you're probably closer to 30. Mm-hmm. And you put a red on there, <laughs> now you're getting up there. But um, I always carry it on my shoulder like that. Because I'm there to get good footage, not to get a kill. Um, and I've, you know, and I always let my hunter know that before. Like, if you take a shot off camera, that's on you. But I'll tell you when I'm ready. Now, if you shoot before I'm ready, don't expect to get good stuff. But 
I'm going to get good stuff. I'm not going to shortchange myself. So I always carry my tripod. Now, this year, since I got that A7R, I am debating taking my A7R and not taking my big camera. Just for the simple fact, not taking my big tripod, just taking a monopod. Hmm. So I haven't made up my mind. I need to do a test run with it. And I might bring it out there and honestly let you have it and test run with it one day. Um, and see what you think. Uh, maybe we can kill one early and go out there and it not matter as much. That'd be nice. That'd be cool. Uh, or kill one, or me kill one, and I can take that. And you take the FS7 and we go film Mark. That's even better. I like that plan. I love that idea. Art, do we have any elk listening right now? That, <laughs> exactly. That can alert their friends yeah, so that So y'all that's be in western Wyoming waiting on us when we get there, and just somebody needs to go kamikaze and come in there. Yeah, we just need a couple of you to step in front of no, an arrow. No doubt. So um, I want to test run it before I commit to doing it. Do you know what monopod you might be looking at? I've got a Benro monopod. Yeah, I've had it for a while. Um, But I want to try that. But and the, and reason and the reason I want to try it is because I've seen Grady Rawls, mm-hmm. um, him do it that way. I've seen a lot of behind the scenes pictures of him running that, and he runs the seventy two hundred. And there's to me that is one of the cleanest setups is like an A seven S A seven R on a monopod with a seventy two hundred, running audio straight to your camera. That's a dirty little setup, and it is beautiful, and. The only thing is you're not going to have really any image stabilization, so it might be a little jumpy. That's why you're going to need your monopod. But as far as like lean and mean, it don't get more lean and mean than that. And you you kind of need to be that way on elk, especially if it's going to be overly physical because what it wears on you to carry that tripod, to carry that tripod on your shoulder with that camera day in and day out for you know, eight, ten hours a day, it sucks. But one great thing about that tripod is when you do stop to rest, you don't have to lay your camera down. The camera's standing on the tripod there at the ready if you need it, you know, versus on a monopod, you kind of got to lay it on the ground. Or if you're carrying it in your hand and you stop to rest, you have to lay your camera down the ground. You know, it, 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 that, that, that it has its advantages, but there's more disadvantages, I think, to it than advantages when you're carrying it. But, you know, that's people can't believe that they, that, I carry that setup into the woods. It's like, well, I'm not going to get a kill. I'm going to tell a story. And this is what it takes. You know, it's like the podcast I did, like do the hard thing. Like it's hard, but I want good stuff. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, so really that's only the major difference is mine's always on the tripod, but I'm kind of excited to try that A7R setup. I need to actually rig it up and see how it looks. Um, because I haven't messed with it, and I've got to order a new mic since my mic got dunked in in Louisiana last week and try that setup and run audio through that camera because I haven't done that yet. I've just used it for B-roll. Somebody is screaming downstairs. One of my kids is downstairs screaming, so I'm sure somebody's getting their hind end tore up. Um, and I'm running the FS5. I don't know if I said that mm-hmm. on my big camera. Okay, I did say that. And I'm carrying all my lenses. That's another thing I have in my pack. I've got my, my one, two, three lenses. 1635, 24 to 105, and 7200. I run in a Meta and you're running the what camera? What lens is that that you're running? It's the 7200 Sony Servo. Okay, 7200. Oh wait, maybe not. No, maybe it's, it's an like a, a. It's like a 24. 24, yeah, you're right. It's 24 to 105. I'm, sorry. I'm so used to thinking of 70. It's a. It's the Servo lens. Yeah, it's right over there. Go look. I don't remember what it is. I'm afraid this mic is going to fall over. Oh, is it? You having to hold it? Yeah, okay. I, I couldn't I, get it refastened. I'm pretty sure it's the 24 to. That sounds 200 ish. Yeah, I, I think, think that's right. what it is. But you I said should it, know that off the top of my head. But come on, Ryan. This is why we can't have I'm nice sorry, things. Sorry, guys. So last thing I want to talk about is kind of the approach when you're doing elk hunts. And I told you, you know, there's there's a couple of rules that I have that I learned um, filming back in my sub seven days of filming spot and stock hunts. The number I have not heard these the rules number one rule. Number one rule. And there are exceptions to this rule, but very few. The number one rule for filming a spot and stock hunt, which ninety eight percent of elk hunts are spot and stock hunts, is you always are within arm reach of your hunter. Always. Because a couple of reasons. You need to be able to communicate. You need to be able to move around your hunter to make sure you can get the shot. That way, trees and 
structure and other things aren't a factor because if you're over his shoulder, you can see what he sees. If you're five yards behind him, that elk standing broadside at 30 yards for him, but he is right behind that big cedar for you. Five yards makes all the difference. I want you to be within arm's reach, a.k.a. one yard. I need you to be able to reach and grab him at any time. And that's important, so important, because when you get separated from your hunter on an elk hunt, things happen so fast. And for you to be able to create the content that you need to create, you've got to be able to communicate. You've got to be right there. If you want to be further back, then you can create that after the fact. But in order to get a good kill, you've got to be that close. So the only exception to that rule that I can think of is if you have an open field with nothing in between you and your hunter. Say you want to get like 10 or 15 yards behind him to get him in front so he's in the frame when he shoots. Well, there better be nothing but an open field in front of him and nothing obstructing you. Or you do a really good job of communicating and say, hey, if that elk steps to the left of that bush, I can't see him. Wait on me. If you are doing a good job of getting that stuff up front and making sure your hunter knows, look, if he gets behind that bush or he gets to the left of that tree, I don't have him. And they know not to shoot. If they shoot it off camera, that's on them. You told them. But you have to be able, we, you, you're working too hard. You're doing too much. You're getting up too early, spending too many days to not get it. So the easiest way to make sure you get it is to always be within arm's reach. That way you can communicate with him, he can communicate with you, which he should be communicating with you through your earbuds, which is the next thing. Always monitor your audio. If you're wearing wireless, if your hunter's wearing wireless, always have your earbuds in because, and, and, and communicate before the hunt starts. So they're wearing earbuds so they can talk to you. Hey, I see him coming. He's coming to the left. Do you see him? Yeah, yeah, I see him. He can talk to you in a super, super quiet voice into his mic, communicate so many things to you without even looking at you, okay? That is extremely valuable. And when you spend a lot of time with somebody, like, you know, when me and Chuck used to film together all the time, he understood that that was his communication line to me. And he always knew I was always wearing my earbuds. So he didn't even have to look at me. He'd just be like, Caleb, I see a deer right here to my left. And I'd automatically, and we'd always establish what 12 o'clock was before we ever got in the tree. So I knew what 12 o'clock was. He says 9 o'clock. I know where to look. We're on the same page. We're clicking. But these are the conversations. These are the things that you have to talk about all the time. Before the hunt and the whole time during the hunt. You've constantly got to be communicating. And if you're one of those guys that's hunting with somebody new or you're timid and you don't want to say these things and you don't get it, well, then that's on you. You've got to speak up. You've got to let the guy know, I can't see him. I can't see him if he gets there. Hey, if he's in this opening, I'm ready. I'm on him. You know, whatever the case may be, communicate, over-communicate. Even if it's completely obvious, like we screwed up this week. The guy brought the wrong bike. I thought it was obvious what bike he should have brought. I should have communicated, hey, man, you are bringing this bike, right? I just assumed he was bringing the right one for this Rambo shoot. He brought the wrong one. I consider that my fault because I didn't ask him. You know, I could have asked him. You've got to be that way with your hunter. Even if it's obvious, even if it's like, there's no way he doesn't know that. You still have to say it because if you don't, it's your fault. And sometimes you get, you get into the situation and you're running after an elk. I mean, people get so excited. Their adrenaline's pumping something that for you, you're thinking about. They, it may be the furthest thing from their mind at that moment. Yeah. Or they're just, you know, they're just not thinking about well, it. Well, and that's another thing I love him. Love him to death, but Chuck's also guilty of is when there's an animal coming that he might shoot, he doesn't, his brain doesn't function. He's a different human being. He goes from funny, go lucky, happy, you know, witty Chuck to, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like, we're going to, we're going to shoot him. Are you ready? You on him? You on him? You on him? You on him? You know, that's what he gets to. And that's the time that you have to be the coach. You have to be the guy that says, calm down. We've got this. He's going to walk right in front of us. You know, take your time. All those things. You know, you've got to be the voice of reason. And you've also got to have a level head. Because the guy holding the bow, unless he's a seasoned guy, 
He doesn't. So you've got to be the voice of reason. You've got to stay in your producer mentality. You've got to talk him off a cliff. You've got to make sure he's clipping your release, draw back, get to your anchor point, take your time, take a deep breath, make a good shot. Literally. I mean, it's not rocket science. I tell, I tell people that all the time. Take your time. You're fine. He's not going anywhere. You're fine. You're fine. Yes, I'm on him. Yep, anytime. Take your time. Yep, yep, I'm on him. I'm on him. Yep, yep. Tell him as many times as it takes. You know, we can fix that audio and editing of you talking over the camera. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Make sure you're communicating. Over-communicate. Just like I said, get tons of dialogue. Over-communicate. Because if communication breaks down, it's your fault, not theirs. Because they were not in the right frame of mind. You have to be. Next thing I think you need to talk about, this is not a great segue, but I think the next thing we need to talk about is I think it's a good idea for you to have elk knowledge and at least know how to call a little bit. Because if you can call a little bit and your hunter can call a little bit, if you're not on a guided hunt, and that's another thing we probably should talk about is what kind of elk hunt are you going on? Are you going on a backpacking hunt? Are you going on a guided hunt? Are you staying in a lodge? you staying in a tent? You know, that has a lot to do with it too. So we'll go back to that in a minute. But um, if you know how to call and your hunter knows how to call and y'all are doing a do-it-yourself hunt, I think that helps your odds because elk aren't smart. They just have great instincts. Um, I think if you can both call decently well and you understand what calls you're making, you know, if you could just do some simple cow muse or, you know, calf muse and you sound like a herd of elk over there or a couple of elk that maybe had separated from the herd versus just one elk by themselves, to me, you know, a couple of elk's more believable than one. Um, I think just having a basic understanding of calling elk, uh, I think it will really help you. Um, and obviously, that's something you need to communicate with your hunter about. Too. Some people are weird about that. They don't want you calling. They don't want you helping. Um, but I think it adds value. And I'm all about adding value any way I can. Uh, and obviously, when you're hunting elk, and this is obvious, but I have to say it just Always pay attention to your wind. You know, you're the camera guy, but you can help your hunter at all times. Like, I try and add value. If I feel the wind switch, like, do you feel that? Feel the wind switch? You know, I carry a windicator. I carry binos. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a part of that hunt. It's a team effort. It's it really absolutely is. a team effort. Every hunt that um, you're on as a camera guy yeah, or producer, it's, a, it's, it's a, a team effort. It's a team effort. You need to obviously be the producer, but at the same time, you can absolutely help. Um so I think that's something that guys get scared of. Like, they're scared to communicate. They're scared to help. Um, be a part of the hunt. You know, add value any way you can. Don't get in, in people's way and step on their toes, but add value. Uh, and obviously, I mean, elk hunting, you got to be aggressive. I mean, which, that's why I love it. I'm overly aggressive. I guess that's why I enjoy it so much. Um, that's why I've, like, deer hunting, I still love deer hunting, but it's lost its luster to me. I just enjoy the aggressiveness of elk hunting so much more. But um, and the last thing that to talk about before we go back to maybe kind of circling back to gear for different types of hunts is if you're hunting on public land, you need to look into permits and licenses and things like that because every state's different. You know, hunting on public land, you're supposed to get certain permits and certain filming permits and stuff, certain things to hunt on public land. So look into those things before you go. Don't want to get screwed over when you get back. Just kind of keep that in the back of your mind and just pay attention when you're out there. If you if you go camping out there or camp for a hunt, clean up after yourself. Don't be a don't be a dick. You know, be, you know, leave things better than you found it. You know, just be common sense. Be a good human being. But to go back to gear. So the gear list changes if you're not hunting with an outfitter or you're not hunting off of a ATV. You know, if you're hunting off of a horse or you're hunting out of a spike camp. Lots of things change. Then you're talking about solar power, generators, how much food and water to carry. And that's that, that kind of changes things. Uh, I think what we're talking about earlier is what we carry on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. But usually those type of logistics need to be worked out well in advance of showing up. You show up and you're, oh, we're in a spike camp. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, pro- you're probably screwed. I go, I go into all the hunts with the possibility that that could happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I always have all my stuff in, in our base camp, I guess you'd say, because you, you know, you never know, I guess sometimes you're in that base camp and you'll, you'll hike in and find a really cool spot 
late in the day and go, this is a spot we need to be, you know, in the morning. And then if I have all my, all my spike camp gear, then the next day, you know, maybe we hike and hunt all the way into that spot, set up, spend the night there and then go from there. So, yeah, that's why I love driving to trips. That's why I don't like flying. You can keep, have you know, all you your can stuff. bring everything. I'm going to bring my Rambo bikes, my fat boys. Mm-hmm. That way this fat boy can get up that mountain. It's going to be so good. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. I'm exci- I'm excited to use those. I'm excited to I I'm just excited to get out west. I'm tired of the south. I'm ready to get out of here. <laughs> just got back from Louisiana. It's the hottest place on earth. Um I'm looking back through my notes here just to make sure we didn't miss anything. I think we kind of hit everything, but just kind of to kind of recap, I mean the best that I know how to talk about it is go into it with the mentality of it's probably going to suck at some point. It's going to be worth it if you kill one. It's going to be worth it if you don't kill one. All you got to do is hear an elk bugle and it was worth it. The first time I ever heard an elk bugle was like the most magical moment I've ever had in the woods. It's unreal. And then um, if you've never done an elk hunt, do it. Just don't just stop whatever you're doing right now. Turn the podcast off. Go buy a license and plan your first elk hunt. It's You absolutely have to go. Go somewhere between September 10th and September 25th. Go to over-the-counter Colorado and just go. Find somebody that's been, tell them you're going with them. Don't take no for an answer. And you will not regret it. Um, uh, To kind of get back to the recap, hydrate, know it's going to suck. Carry the correct gear to get the content that you want. Don't skimp. Don't shortchange yourself. Don't half-butt something. If you're gonna do it, do it right. Um, do the hard things, and uh, invest in good good equipment, good boots, good clothes, good cameras, rain covers, batteries. You know, prepare for the worst. You know, you can carry your first aid kits if you know you're gonna be a long way from anybody that can help. And this is another one that I hadn't talked about, but uh, and this is more from the hunting side, but I just loved it so much. Is that Onyx map? It's a hundred dollars for the for the full version of the app, and I think they do like thirty percent off or twenty percent off like all the time. So you can get it for like seventy or eighty bucks. Best hundred dollars you'll ever spend. That map, literally, I give over half the credit for killing my elk last year. And it's a really cool piece to work into the content of your videos too. Is using that map for any public or private lands in the United States. It just gives you so much information. Um. I can't I can't talk enough about that app. Uh it, it 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 changed the game for me. And I know not a lot of other people it's changed the game for, but anything else did you got? Uh, I think we covered it all. I mean the I the main so. thing that I always take away is it, your pack's probably gonna be heavy and you're gonna be going up a lot of hills. Just go ahead and accept that fact. Yeah. Just know it going in and then just forget about it. Don't think about it. Don't just, think about it. Just go, this is what I got on my back. That's where I have to go, and we're going to get there. Mind over matter. If you don't mind, it don't matter. I like that one. I don't think I've heard that before. Well, there's another, another one. one. There you go. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate it, and um, we will see you guys soon. <laughs>